Thank you, Blaine. Thank you, Dr. Camp. Uh, our hope is when you come to chapel, uh, you guys understand a lot of times we'll have different kinds of speakers and because we know that you are different kinds of people and that you connect with different kinds of things. And so sometimes you may see someone up here with a lightsaber or you may see someone uh, stand on a ladder and almost fall down. Uh, not today. Today I'm excited because you get to see a man and you get to hear from someone who's coming to before you to be really authentic, to be really transparent, and I think to be really holy. In the Gospels, we see Jesus in, interact with people who are going through different phases in life, and their lives are changed because of Christ. Dr. Patty, he has the degree, he has the prestige, he has the reputation. Uh, he's a, a wonderful part of our faculty here, but more than all of that, he's a child of God. And I'm excited that you guys get to hear his story. So if you have your phone, I'm going to encourage you, put it up. Because the Holy Spirit's about to speak through this man. Let's show him a lot of love and get loud. Give it up for Dr. Stacy Patty. Thanks, Josh. So uh, many years ago, I stood up here a long time ago and talked about uh, a beach twail and some dynamite and we had some laughter together, and we made a spiritual connection, and we all left with a smile. That's not today's speech. Today's speech is important, and I'm sharing it because I was asked to consider sharing it, and because I hope my story will help some of you. I came here in 1975 as a biblical languages major, washed dishes in the cafeteria, pledged kiadai, and sang in the acapella chorus. I returned in 1992 to teach in the Bible department, later moving to the Honors College and now to the College of Liberal Arts. But there's another identity that I have, and it goes something like this. Good morning, I'm Stacy, and I am an alcoholic. December 17th, 2018 is my dry date. I'm grateful for that day, and I'm grateful to be here sober today. That's how I introduce myself every weekday morning at the 615 meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Unlike some of you, I did not touch alcohol while a student at LCU. It was in graduate school that my wife and I began to enjoy a glass of wine occasionally, <clears throat> first with classmates and their spouses, and then when eating out on special occasions. A few years later, by the time I'd been in ministry for a while, having a drink on some evenings became more normal. I wasn't yet a daily drinker, but there were times when I'd have too much, get really sick, and then slow down. I wasn't worried much then, because I knew I could quit for long periods of time if I just didn't keep alcohol at home. When I moved to LCU, I don't think I was drinking much, and I was very cautious if I did. But relatively quickly, having a couple of glasses of wine in the evening calmed me down and made me more likable around the house. Eventually, two glasses became three and I began to enjoy the daily ritual of just a few drinks. By 2003, I was beginning to plan when and how to drink. I would anticipate the end of a work day when I could go home and relax. I defended myself internally because the drink was not affecting my work and because it actually made me get more done. A little wine makes one more creative, I argued. I even remember once when traveling with colleagues that I decided to pack a bottle just in case there was no store nearby when I got there. My luggage was chosen for a hand search in front of us all, and after the trip, I was warned to cut out the drinking. I didn't stop for long, 
And by early 2004, I was placed on probation, removed from all leadership positions, and required to get counseling and begin attending AA meetings. But I didn't believe I was an alcoholic. I just had a problem with alcohol. So over about a year, I returned to the occasional drink, then a regular drink, then daily drinks. I sometimes added stronger drinks, or as a kind of self-corrective, I'd try to taper a drinking session with a simple beer. And then something would happen that would scare me. A police stop with a taillight out, a news story about a DWI hit and run, a routine blood test that showed some health issues. I'd cut back or go cold turkey for a while, try to develop better habits, exercise more, take more vitamins, eat better. But inevitably, I'd fall back into drinking more and more. I began to hide bottles here and there, so I'd always have some. I planned most of my day looking forward to the drink. I began to lose interest in caring about a whole lot else. And yet, I kept living under the illusion that I was not that bad. I came home each each evening. I got up each morning. I went to work. I tried to keep in relationship with my wife and children, though poorly. I monitored my health. It wasn't that bad. I would even confess to friends that I was concerned about my drinking. But they were always surprised and said I was certainly not an alcoholic. I was managing to continue on with a somewhat moderately normal and productive life. I was becoming, as they say, a highly functioning alcoholic. Alcoholism doesn't often dump people quickly into a homeless, sick mess. It grows slowly, insidiously infecting one's body and soul. On the surface, on most days, even in the workplace and home, drinkers like me could behave and communicate fairly normally. And there were always multitudes of reasons to explain away not feeling well or not having a good day. But over time... Alcoholics withdraw from important relationships, and they wake up one day hooked to the bottle. By 2011, I was certainly hooked. I reached out to AA and stayed involved for a few months, but I now see that I was using AA then as a facade, deceiving myself, but perhaps few others. I quickly returned to regular drinking, and yet I was becoming more and more miserable all the time. I realized that I needed to quit, and I promised myself each morning that I would not drink that day, only to find empty glass in hand in the early evening. Tomorrow would be different, I promised. This pattern continued for years. More and more often, and especially in the last years, I found myself late in the evening waking up in my chair after I'd passed out and dragging myself to bed. Sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night with terrible sweats. I would get up to start the days with a pounding headache. I was always tired. I had long bouts of coughing. I could not control my blood pressure, which would spike dangerously each day. I worried more and more that others could smell alcohol on me, so I ate myriads of mints and cough drops in a vain attempt to cover it all up. And within the last couple of years, I noticed that I was forgetting things more often, including conversations and emails from the night before. I needed more and more alcohol each day. I was shocked at the number of bottles I threw away and at the amount of money that I no longer had each month. I desperately wanted to quit. But now I feared the very real side effects of withdrawal. So I took comfort in the reasoning that I had to keep drinking and that I would find a way to control it. And I still tried to take my job very seriously. I I think it's a miracle that I could keep doing anything. 
I think I was still productive, and I think I was careful not to drink when I was on the job or with responsibility for students. But over time, I grew angry and bitter with work problems. I was only negative, complaining all the time. And in the last few months particularly, there were some signs that things could end very badly. I began to find that my handwriting was almost illegible, that I was shaky in the mornings, that I preferred leaning on a podium to teach rather than walking around. One of the great concerns I will always have is wondering whether I shortchanged a student or a colleague, whether I brought negative attention to LCU, whether I harmed someone, even unintentionally. You probably realized that my dry date was not that long ago, just less than four years and five months. That's because the alcoholic journey to sobriety is rarely quick and straightforward, and it is never over. Over the years, I had periods of cutting back with moderate success, and I continued each time to plan to quit for good. But the cycle continued with no end in sight until November of 2018, when my world fell apart. Family crises threw me into a whirlwind of despair. An annual physical revealed alarming liver enzyme numbers. Financial difficulties only worsened. I couldn't seem to fix anything with my family or work. I had now become powerless over alcohol, and my life had become unmanageable. So I took a friend's advice, and with the encouragement of my wife, checked into a detox facility and afterwards returned to AA meetings. This time I got a sponsor to help me, and I committed to working the 12-step program and focusing on a long journey of healing, not only for myself but for the damage to others. Today I am very grateful, and I realize that I was very fortunate. Many alcoholics transition into drugs and find sobriety even more challenging. Many people in recovery are not able to get to meetings daily. Many do not have community or family support. For me, the journey has been restorative and freeing over time. Within about six months, the physical craving for alcohol left me, followed not much longer by the removal of a mental obsession to drink. With those gone, I had a better chance of continuing in sobriety. Daily rituals, going to meeting, praying, eating well, exercising, keeping good habits, have brought me more peace, better health, and frankly, a lot more time. And I think I have made, it makes, I think it's maybe a little nicer person to be around. However, with restoring and joy, there's also some continuing sadness. There is much in that life of addiction that I wished I could change now. And the scars and stains of damaged relationships and irresponsible actions Irresponsible actions are realities that I will always know and own. Today, I can only try to live more authentically before others, giving gratitude to them for their love and patience and continuing to make amends whenever possible. I have learned to be grateful for those LCU leaders who were firm and challenging, but also gracious and patient with me. And I am thankful for several colleagues here who have monitored and encouraged my sobriety. But most of all, I can never be grateful enough for a wife whose love and patience are like no other. Without her, I'm confident I would have died before now. Perhaps the most tragic aspect of alcoholism is that it hurts most those with whom an alcoholic is most with. I do still struggle with many things. Character defects, we call them. I am impatient. I can get angry. I can get depressed. 
And I can fall into a time of malaise when I just don't want to do anything. But I don't stay there for too long, and I don't have a desire to drink over it. I realize the importance of a prayer we say every day. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Unless I am ill or out of town, I am there at the 615 Hub meeting every weekday morning. When I travel, I often meet with other AA groups. When I can't get to a meeting, I usually read the AA Daily Reflection. I do this because I am never cured. Alcoholism is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It waits surreptitiously for, the, for an opportune time to return. And even those with decades of sobriety are not immune. And the return to drinking for an alcoholic is most often quickly debilitating, leading to tragic ends. I don't want to go back there. But the stark truth is that I cannot say that I will never fall back into drinking. What I can say is that by God's grace... The community of friends and my own daily discipline, I have a better chance of staying sober one day at a time. Not everyone who takes a glass of alcohol will become an an alcoholic. Alcoholism is a disease. It begins as an addiction, but over time, an alcoholic's body and even brain change. A person who drinks normally does not want more than one or two and may not even finish a glass. There are many many reasons never to drink alcohol. And I urge you not to start. You have choice, and I hope you'll take seriously that choice. And with God's help and the community of good friends, you can choose not to drink. But if you're already on that path, please consider cutting back or quitting altogether. Most of us today We're likely dealing with some particular problems or concerns. The chances are that some of you are already well along the path towards slavery to an addiction. Please realize that you are not an exception. It will catch you, and you will be trapped. Depending on the substance or subject of your addiction, you may be physically damaged. You may be incarcerated. You may lose your family. You may lose uh, you, may, you may lose your job. You may accidentally take another life. You may even lose your life. At the very least, you will bear emotional scars in memories of failed relationships and failed responsibilities and troubled relationships. If you're struggling with something, please seek help now. When I was asked to give this talk, I hesitated and worried and hesitated and worried and hesitated and worried. Someone might think bad of me. Someone might think bad of LCU for allowing me to continue working here. The truth is that encouraging this talk is testimony to the reality that we all have struggles. The comfort that this is a place where we can share and learn together. The miracles that God does every day and the promise that hope moves us forward. May the God of hope and peace grant you all joy and all good living this day and beyond. You're dismissed.